Salam everyone and welcome to another episode of the Say Wallah podcast brought to you by the editors of muslimgirl.com. I'm Amani, the founder and editor-in-chief of muslimgirl.com and today we're tuning into our special edition Ramadan episode with none other than Maysoon Khatib, one of hey, our hey. editors at MG. What's good? And she also goes by Mama May Soon. For those who might not be familiar with her, she's literally the mom of our group. And she is extremely an extremely inappropriate one at that. So this conversation should get really interesting. Um, Listen, May Soon. <laughs> there's nothing inappropriate about me, but we can go on. We'll let the, the listeners decide. How's your Ramadan going? Alhamdulillah. It's going very, very good. This has been one of the best ones so far. Um, but I, you know, I digress. There, there are other things that I wish could be better, but we'll move on from there and we'll talk about it. One of the best ones so far, mashallah. Yeah, I would say the same for me as well. Um, I mean, like, besides the fact that my love life is in shambles, actually, like, literally just yesterday, I was really conflicted about hitting up this, like, Willow bro from my past about um, getting iftar with me. And... You know what, Amani, stop, stop, stop right there. Stop. I think that we need to put a kibosh on this love life thing. You know what? This term is so haram to me. We need to call it nasib life. If you want it to be halal, <laughs> call it nasib life, not love life. Bella love, bella habal. Okay, my nasib life, I guess. Wait, that's so funny. Okay, yeah. See, everyone, like I said, we're talking to a mom here. So, um... <laughs> We have to self-censor sometimes. <laughs> Please. I mean, uh, you're probably not going to like this because you told me not to do this. But, like, yesterday, I I literally had to pull some tarot cards. To no, get my you didn't. I had to. Amani, okay. it's Ramadan. Dunya Ramadan. Like, you can't even hold off another week. You got like literally eight more days of this. You can't I don't hold think it off. Okay, like I understand. I have this rap for being like the blasphemous Muslim girl or something, but like I genuinely don't think it's haram. It really okay. comes down to how you use them. You, you don't understand. You're not using them. They are using you. And when I say they, okay. I'm talking about the notorious J I N N. Get your stuff together. You need to know that somebody's infiltrating your mind and it's not your mama. Okay. No, I've been getting really into tarot cards recently. It's such a bad rap because of the whole you know like what? psychic it, thing. You know, it sounds like, oh, like psychics are haram. Like you're not going to be able to pray for like 40 days or like something like that, right? But it's like specifically about foretelling the future. It's like haram to think that anyone can tell your destiny, your fate, or whatever, okay? But, like, that's not what tarot cards do. Like, tarot cards are a tool that, like, they're, like, each tarot card is a reflection of, like, a theme or pattern to the human experience. So, like, no matter what card you get, you're going to resonate with it somehow. But, like, the whole point is that no matter what card you pull, it's going to resonate with you somehow. But it's going to, like, like, it's going to immediately trigger an, a, a first thought that comes to mind, right? Yeah, because you know it's why? Gonna be what's beneath you know the why? surface to your conscious. Do you know why? This is like so. First of all, we don't give jurisprudence or anything like that. Let's get that straight now, right? 
The, okay. Second of all, second of all, you can't say it is not haram because it is because you know who's who's leading those. You can't who, say that it is either. Yeah, no, I can't because it's magic. It's black magic and it's haram. No, it's not. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, like who black do you magic. Think, Okay, no, 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 dude, the G-I-N-N, it's the notorious G-I-N-N girl that's playing with your, your card pick. Okay, so, like, you're basically saying that my tarot readings are possessed by jinn inherently? To try to like decipher your future and like derive Look, meaning. You're, you're, not, you're preaching to the choir. Like, you know, I'm addicted to that stuff, but not like there's certain times, like not during Ramadan, probably not so much during but the days when I'm praying. Like, you know, maybe after Isha, like, I don't know. Okay, but if you're saying not during Ramadan, then by extension, you're saying that there is something haram about it that you're like refusing to do it during Ramadan. Yeah, there is. I firmly believe it for sure. And why are you doing it outside of Ramadan, regardless? It's baby steps for me, girl. I like, you know, baby steps. Okay, well, I personally don't, like, I've been using them to, like, surface. No, but, like, tarot cards are a tool, or at least that's how I use them, as a tool to, like, help you figure out what's happening in your subconscious, like, what you really want, what you're really going for, whatever. Um, and it, they only, like, no tarot cards are inherently good or bad, you know what I mean? Like, that's what people don't understand. It's like, there isn't, like, if you get a specific card, it's like, oh, shit, like, what does that mean? It's like, no, it's whatever meaning you attribute to it, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Can okay, like, for about... example. Okay, no, we... like, can I just... Let me tell you, because you asked me, right? Because I, I was about to get into, like, who we're having a star with tonight, right? Okay. And, like, for example, okay, like, yesterday, you know, oh, well, no, you don't know this. But, like, yesterday, I seriously wanted to hit up this one guy, okay, that you know who it is. And, Oof. like, some guy that's, like, is an F-boy, but, like, I apparently have, like, this inclination towards F-boys. I just like why could not freaking. Know, why, 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 why do we even have to use that terminology, F boy? Why, why? It's just bro. A, a, it's a, like, he's, he's not Ibn Halal. Okay, you can say Ibn Halal then. I mean, uh, not Ibn Halal. Say Walla, bro. He's a Walla, bro. Okay. Okay. So I was sitting there. I was like, should I reach out to him or should I not reach out to him? Should I invite him to Iftar or should I not? Like, I was seriously, like, you know, sitting there in turmoil, wondering if I should or not. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I, let me pull some tarot cards. Like, I don't know what I should do. Let me see, like, deep down. Like, maybe the tarot cards will help me realize deep down like, how I really feel or, like, what the truth really is subconsciously, you know? Like, I, because, and, like, and this is also, like, in Islam, we believe that God put all of the knowledge of the universe into every human being. We're just, we don't have the capacity. Some of us don't have, like, most of us, at least, don't have the capacity to, like, access that knowledge, right? Because we're so, like, caught up with the dunya and stuff. But Allah did put that knowledge in every Benny Adam, you know? So deep down, you know what you should and shouldn't do, but like you let a lot of things cut your judgment or whatever. So anyway, I pulled a few cards yesterday before I like decided to like hit him up. I was literally on the verge of like sending him a text message or whatever. And like from the cards that I pulled, like one of the messages that I got from them is think of the child. 
right? Like, think of the child. And for me, like, I took that as a message of, like, think of my inner child, like, like, child Emani, you know? Um, like, my inner Wait, child a, who... There's a card that symbolizes think of the child? There's a card that, like, what... I mean, each card has multiple meanings, and it's just, like, you have to figure out how to read it to, like, apply to, like, whatever you're reading it for, basically, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, like, yeah, this one card, like, it was, like, it was a card that was in a boat, like, moving away from the horizon, like, kind of, like, moving on, and there was, like, a child, like, in the passenger's arms, right? Like, think of the child, like, do what's best for the child. And Mm. I remember, like, the message that I got from that is, like, think of my inner child, like, that just wanted to be loved, that just wanted to be protected, Um, you know? So I was just like, yeah, like, she deserves better. Like, why do I keep repeating the same habit of, like, going towards people that aren't showing me, like, the love that I deserved, you know? And just because of that, just because of that, like, like the cards that I pulled in the message that I attributed to them, it like, like re- literally resulted in me being like, all right, I'm not hitting him up. And you know what? I'm letting go of moving on. Like, forget this. Like, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. like, how useful is that? Is it, is that not useful? Like, I feel like that's like so positive. Really? That's so funny because you could have easily just texted me saying, Hey, I want to hit up so-and-so. <laughs> and I would have been like, you know what? I think, you're gonna um, say that. think of the world. Like really? Don't do it. Like I've told you a million times, you don't need tarot cards. You need, you have my number on speed dial. You need you call me a million uh, times a day. I tell you what to do a million and one times a day and you never listen, but cards. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, helping the universe by uh, one card yeah, at a time. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like something that clearly on some level, like deep down, I knew you know, it wasn't right for me, but I just like I need you just need to now look, dude, you just need to come to the conclusion that I know what's best. And if oh, people really? just started, if well, look, people just started listening to what I had to say, we would not, I would solve the Middle East conflict. I would, there would be no problems <laughs> in the world. There wouldn't. So for those listening, okay. Maysoon is straight up OG MG. We call her Mama Maysoon. Our team is predominantly if not entirely like 20 something year olds millennials things like that Maysoon is like the one like other like the older generation that's on our team we say that with all respect Maysoon (laughs) and she's a mom she has a daughter that's like my age and so she's always this like you know the she's the mom like she's the one who like we put up with like the bullshit that she says to us in the group chats we, no i put like, up with the bullshit that you guys say to me in the group chat. okay okay like you know we have to teach her acronyms sometimes what they mean and like talk her through social media stuff you know um she also like places us at risk of like a lawsuit on, really? on the regular because of the <laughs> shit that she says. So you're laughing about it, but it's, it's I literally stress about it. <laughs> but, um, okay, yeah. And clearly, as you can tell, she thinks that she's all-knowing and always right, as most Arab moms do. So that's a thing. I mean, there's a lot of miles on this, uh, on this woman. I, I think I've seen it all. And the fact that, like, your generation thinks that... You know what's funny? It, the funny thing is, is I was born in Cleveland, right? My kids, when they want to mock me, they mock me with an accent as if, like, I'm some, like, woman from a different country that doesn't know what's going on in this world. Like, I know everything. I have seen everything. <laughs> Wait, they, they, like, attribute, like, a, a fob accent to you? Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god, I love your kids. Oh my god, they're so crazy. So, can we talk really quick about uh, Leila Tokadar? Okay. So. Yeah, because we're in the days now. We're like in the last 10 days, so nobody knows when like Leila Tilkadir is. It's what it's like one of the odd days, right? Like the 21st, the 23rd, the 25th, the 27th, 29th. Yeah. It could be any one of those days. Right. So last night was the 23rd. And like I'm always thinking 23. That's the one when it's going to happen. Always 23. But I wasn't ready for it last night. Oh, so, shoot. I didn't make the eye last night. That's so nice. I, I, I couldn't. I mean, for, for personal women reasons, like I just couldn't say it you had your period are you currently on your period no I'm finished however like last night would have been like it was just my last night like I just wanted to be uh Tahira right like I just well, wanted that's to be good. like at least you're gonna be celebrating Eid with everyone yeah and surely <laughs> but like like I was like so so I had sent a message on Facebook to one of my like more religious friends uh, and I didn't state the reason why I didn't want um, Leila Tilkadir, but I'm like, is there a way that we can like maneuver Leila Tilkadir to one of the other days, not tonight? It's just not convenient for me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said about the start of Ramadan when it started on my birthday. I was like, can we all just collectively agree to start fasting the next day? But I feel like there should be a make a makeup Leila Tilkadir for women. Like for women who are unable isn't to, there? I kind of feel like there is. Isn't I don't. Th- no, I don't. I think uh, you know we should have like a sheikh on speed dial to ask these questions because um, I really believe that it's unfair that the last three years I've missed Leila Tolkadar not because of my own doing but because of what my body's doing uh, is yeah. is doing right. So but I mean, I like, feel- you can still worship even when you have your period. No, I get it. Like, and somebody having your period doesn't stop you from, like, making dua or, like, reading, reading the Quran. Yeah, so all this morning, like, I've been, I was up for Fajr. I've been praying all day, alhamdulillah. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So I feel like if, I hope it wasn't last night. Although, like, you're not even supposed to say you hope it wasn't because, you know, you're supposed you to equally worship. Comes. Like that's the whole point is that you're supposed to worship all all the ten nights. Like that's why you're not supposed to know. I know, but like, can you 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 can't pray? I mean, I can make vicar. Yeah. Make that, but like, yeah, you know, exactly. there's this whole there's this whole like total. It's a thing. Like you, you want to do together. Yeah. Like, I mean, coincidentally, actually, I just got my period last night. And I still went to Qiyam because, like, my friends and I were planning to go to Qiyam. And I, like, felt so left out, like, while everyone was praying, tarawih and stuff. And I was just, like, sitting off by myself, <laughs> like, watching everyone. I mean, at this point, I feel like when, when you are, like, on your cycle, uh, it's an, um, it's like your own jihad the nafs, right? It's your own struggle going on inside yeah. of you. So it's like, you know, it's halal. Because, like, having your period is not fun. It's not easy. No. But t- no. can I just like can we talk about like how you're like actively trying to like set your daughter up and like get her I, like you're I, literally I, trying to pick her husband for her. I I mean I would love to pick my daughter's husband. I would love to find Ibn Halal that I know his whole family that I we know like 
you know, uh, what his credit score is and his uh, mental health <laughs> is and his physical health. It's for sure. I would love to know all of that. But I mean, you know, everything is Nassib. I, I, there's one thing that I've learned in my 47 years of life is that, unfortunately, I can't control anything. Allah has his own plans for everyone. Is there like a criteria that you have for like, guy, like a guy that like wants to be in your daughter's life? Yeah, he's got a memory suited to the Baqarah. Okay, that's better than my dad. My dad is like, your mahir, okay, dowry, is going to be that he has to memorize the whole Quran. And like, I'm just like, wow, okay, that's going to be challenging. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Repeat that again. The whole Quran. The whole Quran, yeah. My dad was like, his mahir is going to be he has to memorize the whole Quran for you. Well, Surah Al-Baqarah is like three hours worth of reading, basically. So uh, I My think dad's convinced. Pretty... He's like, if he knows the entire Quran, he will never disrespect you or do wrong by you as his wife. So, I mean, we don't know, but it's a good start. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, you have to have, you have to have a start for anything, right? And in, in a contract, there's three phases of a contract, right? There's the offer, there's the acceptance, and then there's like the negotiation part. I think that's what my husband told me. Uh, and so like, if somebody wants to get to know you, they offer, you know, their presence in your life and then you accept it if you want. And then there's that negotiation part. Well, since I've accepted these are like the stipulations that you have to do, right? So if it's to have a good job or to um, be open-minded, uh, it, memorize the Quran or at least Surah Al-Baqarah, right? Don't just do Kulhu Allahu Ahad because my kids were saying that when they were three. So, right, of course. I mean, alhamdulillah, but you want them to you want them to put effort into it, right? Yeah. So what else would you want? Sure. For me, like in a guy? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely, when, I th- I mean, I don't know where I'm at right now. Like, I don't know if I'm, like, really thinking about marriage and stuff at the moment because I have, like, so much going on with, like, my career and everything. But, like, for a man that would be, like, interested in marriage or that I could potentially, like, be interested in him, like, as my husband, I always, I always picture, like, is this somebody that I would want to raise my kids? You know, like, would I be proud if my son turned out exactly like him? That's, like, how I always judge it. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, that's the truth. And, like, for me, for example, I mean, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty open about this. Not many people agree with this. But, like, on a on a personal and spiritual level, I personally think it's okay for women to marry outside of our faith. You know, for people, other people of the book, just as much as it's okay for men to do that. And, but at the same time, even though I think that's okay, I do want somebody that would be a good example for my kids when it comes to our faith. You know, like I want my kids to be like practicing Islam and like understanding Islam, you know, on a, on a very spiritual level, not just like haram, halal or whatever, but I want them to like live by it and, and in a way that is like spiritual and healthy for them and stuff, you know? So I would want somebody that can carry that example for them. Well, so I, think I don't is, know what I that would look like. Is, but. Yeah, I think this is where the naivete comes in with, your generation thinking that oh it's okay if I marry somebody outside of my faith I, I first of all I don't think that it's okay to do that only because you're not thinking of the future now if you were like older and you knew that you couldn't have kids or didn't want to have kids and the same goes for him then it's just you too then love conquers all I guess right but 
at the end of the day, if you are planning on having a family with this person and they have a different faith of you, that doesn't mean that I think that anybody not of our faith is not quality material, right? Yeah, but there's it like, of course, that like when you're raising your children, cultural and religious differences, and those are big things. I mean, one of the number one things that causes, that leads to divorce, they say, is finances, but the other one is faith. The two F. Really? Like, you really, yes. Like Is that like a study people, or something? I read it somewhere. I can't even remember. So somebody Google it and then let me know where, where it is. But but I read it somewhere where faith plays a huge part in in divorces because at the end of the day, like some there's it's very hard to compromise on faith because maybe in the beginning you don't feel like that strong connection where you just are kind of more agnostic and you're like, oh, I I believe. I don't know what it is. I just believe, right? But something happens when you have a kid. It's like, dude, I not only believe, I practice, I'm studying, I'm doing a dissertation on this, like everything comes out. And then if yeah. your partner is not on the same page as you, that makes it really hard. And and I was like a, a, a half breed, right? Like my mom was from Brazil, my dad was from Palestine, my mom was Catholic, my dad was Muslim. And it wasn't hard, like, because my dad wasn't really like practicing, practicing. Um, and my mom was very much into making sure that her kids were assimilated into their father's culture and stuff like that and, mm -hmm. and religion. So she made sure that I was taught both sides. But I had an identity crisis growing up. It was I never felt Muslim enough or never felt Palestinian enough or never felt American mm -hmm. enough or, or yeah, Catholic like the, enough. the mixed kid syndrome. It was so hard. Like I wanted to be everything but who I was. Wow. So, so how did, I mean, I, I think that like also your story is like so freaking interesting. I feel like people would find it so like, not just fascinating, but just like, it's so crazy what happened to you and that yeah. it happened to you. You know what I mean? Like, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, so like your first marriage. Yeah. How did you, how did you meet your first husband, by the way? So. I am from a small village in Palestine, which is actually a big village. It's a, it's a city. It's called Elbira, right? And mm -hmm. I was, we have these annual conventions in the United States um, that all of the families that live in the United States, if they're like in the country at the time during the summer and we have these conventions, everyone takes their kids there. It's a way for us to stay grounded and to stay connected to our roots, especially in regards to Palestine because it's under occupation and it's just like, you know. Since yeah. 1948, it's just been like a disaster for, for us. So we don't want to lose our identity. So our parents made it a, a huge deal about making sure we go to these conventions. So it was the summer of 1989. The convention was in Cleveland, Ohio. And I had gone to the convention. I think I was 17 at the time. I was going into my senior year of high school. And there were a bunch of guys that um, outside of the hotel playing football. And so me and my two girlfriends at the convention decided to not play like halal girls. And we went and watched the boys. We shouldn't have done that. We should have stayed like so far. Typical. But anyways, I see this guy running down the field. He's got the football and stuff. And he, you know, he just, he looked so athletic and he had the ball in his hands and then he got tackled really hard and they must've heard him really bad. And he was on the ground. And so the other two girls started laughing. Um, and I said, I, I, I don't know why I said this. I looked at them. I'm like, don't laugh at him. He's my future husband. Wow. Fast forward 
And I didn't even talk to him for the rest of the convention. Fast forward another year, the convention's in California. I just graduated high school. I lived in California at that time. Um, and we're at the convention, and I see the guy. And I just thought it was so cute at that time. You know, when you're 18, you just think you're the whatever. <laughs> and, you know, I made it a point to do a little eye contact with him, the halal way, right? Like, I didn't, like, wink at okay. him. Okay. Like, like, All is right, baby. Mm-hmm. So I went to my, I had to go to my car. I had to go somewhere to pick up something for the convention because I was helping with the committee, right? Um, and I had, I was spoiled at the time. So I had this red sports car. It was a 300 ZX, T-tops, everything. Anyway, I tried to start my car and it wouldn't start. And uh, coincidentally, he comes out and he sees me trying to start my car. And I didn't know at the time that he um, knew stuff about cars. So he's like, are you having problems? I'm like, yeah, my car won't start. Anyway, that's how we were able to talk the first time. And then that's later so that convention. Yeah, later that convention. That's so like serendipitous. It is, right? And so we were at the banquet and I went out into the hallway because it was loud music and I see him sitting in the hallway. So I said, what are you doing out here? The party's in there, right? So like uh, uh, he got, his face got really red. Anyway, his sister, this is the halal way, people. His sister came up to me later that night and said, my brother is very interested in you. Um, would you be willing to uh, go out to dinner with us? Um, or well, it wasn't dinner because we already had dinner, but it was like a, a late night Denny's run that a bunch of people were going to. And I Oh, said, wow. I love that some things just never change with like young Muslims. Young American Muslims. So I was like, well, let me ask my dad. So I go back in in the the hall, right, where the the convention's still going on, the banquet's still going on, and I sit next to my dad, and this guy and his sisters walk by our table, and I tell my dad, I said, Baba, can you go ask for him for me? He goes, what? He said, naam. I said, can you just go ask for him? Wait, straight up? Yeah. Without even going to the Denny's? I didn't go to the Denny's because I already knew from the year before that I was supposed to marry him. It was just Nassim. Oh my God. (laughs) Me too. I didn't know this. That's great. Wow. Okay, ladies. This is how to be a Khadija. Okay. That's so badass. This is is how to be a Khadija for sure. So my dad looked at me and he's like, which is like, you know, just like the talking about Holy, how silly I am, up for right? a second. How did you feel when his sister came up to you and said that? Because I feel like that's, like, every girl's dream, that, like, her crush is, like, and that's, like, such a Muslim girl's dream that it's, like, oh, my God, he likes me. Like, his sister came and told me. You know what I mean? Like, I know. I You know what? I, I remember getting butterflies when she told me. I had butterflies in my stomach. It was like I was riding on a roller coaster. And then that's when I went to tell my dad. My dad kind of looked at me, and he started laughing, and he's, like, the woman doesn't ask for the man. The man asks for the woman. I said, why can't the woman ask for the man? He goes, because from the beginning of the time, the man asked for the woman. And I don't know who he is, who his family is. Just sit down. Like, and he said it in Arabic. It was <laughs> a lot funnier. Like, he's like, okay. Oh, oh, yeah. So I was like, okay, but I'm just telling you, if he asks for me, I'm down. And he's like, I thought you're going to college. I said, I can go to college while I'm married, Baba. So wow. uh, we go to Denny's, that, and I tell my dad, I go, I'm going to Denny's with 
all these people. So I always like kept it open with my parents. Like I always made sure that they knew what That's I was good. doing. Cause yeah. I, I just was, again, like I had the stigma on the, like I was only half breed. Like I was only half Muslim from what everybody thought, you know, what Muslims were. Right. I was only half Palestinian. I, they expected me to like go down a different road. And I felt like I needed to prove everyone wrong and work harder for my identity and my my faith and and but everything also, that comes- like honestly life hack that is such a great deterrent from getting the Wallabros out of your life like filtering them out like my dad always told me and then a guy that's that's real is going to come through the front door not through the window and it's like so yes. true like you just save yourself so much heartache that way by like being open and like you know especially islamically because there's so much you know, there's so much, uh, there's so many differing opinions about like whether you should date or not and like stuff like yeah. that. Like for me, it's just like, I just think that having, keeping your parents in the loop is just such a great way to do what, like do what you got to do in a way that is like inclusive. You know what I mean? Like get to know somebody and stuff in a way that like keeps the family in the loop. And that like also is a protect, is, is a protection for you. So you don't get it's like so in a position. Yeah. And like a position that you don't want to end up in, you know? And let me tell you something. There's something to be said about doing it the traditional way that still can be very romantic and very spontaneous. And and you'll still have all of the feelings that you always said to yourself, I want, you know, in life. And so we go to Denny's and then the convention's done the next morning and we exchange phone numbers. And literally within a couple of days, his sister calls me because we wanted to do it right, right? And she's like, um, I just want to, my brother would like to talk to you, um, but we just want to make sure that it's okay. And she's young, She's only a year younger than me. So she was younger, right? So mm-hmm. he had his little sister doing all his work for him. And so she's like, so my mom knows about, my mom and dad know about you. Um, do, do your parents know? And I said, yes. That's really cool. That's <laughs> yes. honestly pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, so like, Literally, we talked the first, and this is like 1990. This is June, June, July, August, I forget, uh, of 1990. This is before cell phones, y'all. This is like, <laughs> this is when long distance charges like accrued so fast from the state of California to the state of Northern Virginia and Arlington, where he lived at the time. So oh, imagine wow. we were on the phone almost every night for hours at a time. Uh, and so our phone bills would be outrageous. That's so cute. So we were supposed to be engaged. So he said, so his father called my dad at the store. We owned a store and my, my dad answered and his dad called and he's like, this is so-and-so. And, um, we'd like to know if we can come over for coffee. And my dad said, um, where do you live? He said, Virginia. He said, and this is all in Arabic. So it sounds so much funnier in Arabic. And you were in, like, in California at the time? Yes. Yeah. I grew up in California. And he said, uh, that's a long way to come for coffee. Are you sure you just want to come for coffee? (laughs) My dad dad was kind of funny like that. Um, and so the man, uh, my future father-in-law started laughing and he's like, look, you know, our kids like each other and we'd like to come formally ask for her. So that was in, so they came in November. So imagine, okay. So it was from August to November, November, we got engaged. We did like gets a big dab at our engagement which typically most people don't do that anymore like they wait until right before their wedding but we did I would for do some that. reason so you, yeah 
you can start effing around while <laughs> before the no, and Manny, and Manny, that's <laughs> like, so like head on. I mean, it it's not like, halal. It's just it's the tr- like what it makes a halal. Okay, so we were supposed <laughs> She's to be like, engaged anyway. for a year. We were supposed to be engaged for a year, but we just so far apart, and we just loved each other so much that we made that year turn into literally from six months because we were married in June, Aww. from November to June. So we got married. I lived in Virginia for maybe six to eight months, and then we both wanted to finish college. Because um, we were both young. I was only at the time 19 and he was um, 22. So we moved to California. Um, we were still super young. So we moved in with my parents. It sounds not romantic, but it was pretty cool. And we went to college together and we were student senators at the university together. We, uh, oh, we were just really involved. We were. We were just so great. And I loved him. He was like the Al Pacino to, you know, whatever female role is opposite of Al Pacino. I don't know. <laughs> he, just, he just, he looked like Al Pacino to me. And so we were married for about three years and my mom got sick. Um, and I remember thinking, um, I don't want my mom to die without seeing her grandchild ever. So we're like, okay, let's have a baby. Um, and I immediately got pregnant. Um, and I had my daughter on February 23rd of 1994. And on February 27th, my husband went to my dad's store to open the store for him. And he was killed in a robbery. But I was at home with my mom. The phone rang. My mom was holding my daughter. um, And I was in the bedroom uh, doing, I don't know what, but I remember hearing my mom scream on the phone. And I ran out and, um, there was my brother uh, running to get the keys and he's like, get in the car. And um, we, I don't know how, I don't remember how we got to my house, to my dad's store, but I remember seeing Did he tell you? No, nobody told me. They didn't tell you on their way there? But no, but I I knew, like, you just know. Like, Like, what did you think was happening? I thought, I thought, I thought he was killed. I thought, I thought he died. I don't know why. I just thought that. And we get to the store and I see yellow tape everywhere. And I um, literally couldn't move. It was the hardest thing. It's it's hard to talk about. You know, I can talk about the story um, in the third person. But it's very hard for me to talk about it in the first. I can write about it all day because I'm like, I, it's been 24, 25 years now. But when I talk about it in the first person, living the experience, like imagining driving and going and getting there and seeing the yellow tape. But they kept people that were there kept saying, he's OK, he's OK, he's OK. Uh, it, it was just a little cut or something. They would say, like, whatever, just to keep me calm. But I knew. Um, and then eventually, uh, hours and hours later, they forced me to, to go back home because they had to. They had to take him away, you know, so they didn't want me to see that. So I never, I never got to see him again after that. Um, so that was 1994. I spent uh, the beginning of my 22nd year of life as an orphan because my mom died a month after my husband from cancer. I spent it as a widow. I spent it as a single mom. And it, it was hard. 
and I still hadn't finished school by this time. Um, so I, I took some time off, um, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. But I think that what happens is, is like whenever Allah takes from you, he like puts so much more in your life, not to say anything would have compensated for the presence of my daughter's father or my mom, but there, it takes a village to raise a child. So there were people Mm. that were coming out of every corner that you can imagine that I had not even known that were just so instrumental in my well-being because I think I would have lost it. Um, So, uh, and not to be a Debbie Downer, but I just, it's just my life. This is just my story. So when people tell me that they're going through hard times, I don't care how small or how big it is. Like everything is, is valued. Like, and everything valid. happens for a reason. Like there's everything just so many things in that story alone. I mean, I didn't even know that your, your husband went there in place of your father. Yeah. Like subhanAllah, you know what I mean? Like that's crazy you know it's just the way that destiny works yeah and so here it was my here it was me and my dad grieving for our our significant others you know my dad was married to my mom for like how how soon after years how soon after his murder did did your mother pass away a month wow a month so like and that was literally and like you had just given birth to your daughter I just given birth. Like I it hadn't even been 40 days yet. Like they tell you after you give birth, you need to be at home 40 days, like to be clean and to give the nurturing to your child and all of that. And I it hadn't even, so like I, <laughs> I was doing the Adbarin, the 40 days of my husband's death. And it was still like not even there yet before my mom uh. passed away. And then my, and then to top it off, uh, my it was a holdup, right? But it was it had to do with Bloods and Crips and all of this kind of stuff at the store because it was like a little like it was like gang violence. It, it was, was like you, you told me it was a like gang initiation or something. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a member of the Bloods who was being initiated. So that day he had done like a a, a slew of different uh, shootings. Um, and so uh, my daughter's dad was one of them. Um, and there was a customer in the store at the time that wasn't even touched because they wanted to take my my late husband out. Um, so then fast forward a couple of years, my dad gets sick. And at this time, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And, and then he ends up passing away. And so then it was just me and my brother and my daughter. Uh, and I finished college by that time. I was working. Um, we stayed in California until 2000. By the year 2000, I was done with California. I, I had great memories and I had really ugly memories, um, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was time for us to leave, to start a new life. And I wanted to be around lots and lots of family. So mm-hmm. my brother and my daughter and I decided to um, start a new life and, and we moved to Michigan. Uh, so this is six years now, six years since the passing of my daughter's dad, my late husband, and I am working. Six years as an, or 26 six years? Six, six years that I moved to Michigan in 2000. Oh, oh, that you moved to Michigan. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So in 2000, we moved to Michigan. I get a job immediately for this newspaper called the American Arab um, Journal. 
Mm-hmm. And I am the editor and I write a, a, a bi-weekly column or bi-monthly column mm-hmm. about living as an Arab in America. And I write about relationships and all the stuff that readers like to read about, right? Um, so I write this article about how marrying uh, outside of your culture is okay. And it works out. And it can be beautiful if there's compromise, right? Uh and because I'm thinking of my mom and dad and how it worked for them and, you mm. know, the product of my brother and myself, whatever. And mm. I get an email. It's a letter to the editor from this person saying, whoever wrote this article is full of crap. She doesn't know <laughs> what she's talking about. Uh, you know, cultural differences are, are huge differences that can cause divorce and this and that. And I was like, who is this? And I read, 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 read. And then I see at the end, uh, best, <laughs> after writing all that, best, comma, Isan Ihsan Al-Khatib, comma, Esquire. So I see Esquire, and all of a sudden, my, like, ovaries start to fl- flutter. I'm like, oh, Esquire. my God, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Esquire, like, forget about everything he said, like, attorney he's reading my stuff you don't think when you're writing you don't think anybody reads you just think you're writing it's like in there and if one person reads it cool if not let we're filling up the newspaper what you know what are you gonna do and uh i tell my one of my reporters at the time i'm like come look at what this person wrote and she reads 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 and then sees the name and she's like oh my god he went to law school with my brother and he's in the middle of getting a divorce and he's so cute and he's got dimples and you would love him. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I hate this guy. I don't even know him. Right. Um, But you like the Esquire. Well, I like the Esquire, but even more interesting is he had the same last name as my late husband. Oh, wow. So I was like, that's weird. I wonder, I wonder if there's any kind of relation. Like I didn't, I knew you know, my husband's, my late husband's family, but maybe there was an outlier somewhere out there, Mm. whatever. Um, Anyway, cut the long story. Um, He calls the the office, the the newspaper office, um, and he was like, look, you know, because I put his letter to the editor, I published it. Because I okay. wanted people to see that not everybody like agreed with my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he called to thank me, and he didn't realize that I was the editor in chief as well as, as the person who wrote the article. And he's sorry if he offended me and all of this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, that's cool. He's like, I'd like to bring you coffee. And I said, well, Ooh. if you'd like to bring me coffee, allow me to give you my brother's phone number, and you can ask him if you can bring me coffee. And he's like. I, I'm not even going to bring you sugar. I'm just asking you, let me bring you coffee. Like, well, why do I have to call uh, you? I'm like, I'm like, listen, uh, I've been married. I was like straight up from the beginning. I've been married. I have a kid. I'm not this kind of girl that you think that you can just come bring me coffee. And he's like, oh, what wow. are you talking Laying down the line. Yeah. And he goes, I just feel bad because I, you know, wrote this thing and it ended up being you that wrote this article full of crap. And I feel bad for putting it in, in, in a letter to you. I'm like, no, that's cool. But if you want to bring me coffee, you have to. And so he never called my brother. He ended up coming to the office, bringing me coffee anyways. And we, we just hit it off. 
Um, and he, and I had, and it was a slow progress, like maybe a couple of months after getting to know each other, um, he wanted to take me out and I wouldn't do it. And I said, you definitely have to call my brother now. Cause he would come to the office and bring me coffee. Um, and so he ended up eventually going to my brother's and, um, and then we got engaged and we were engaged for a long time. And let me tell you. Long engagements are not good because anything and everything can possibly happen in a long engagement. Like it's so easy to back out at any time. So if it wasn't me backing out of the wedding, it was him a million times over me. Um, And so I don't know, subhanAllah, how we ended up getting married, it was just Nasib. The fact that we, you know, he had the same last name as my husband that my late husband that I knew that if we had kids, none of my kids would. My daughter from my first marriage would never feel any different from her future siblings, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this, there's, there, it just feels whole. This bubble just feels whole again. So when we got married, when Hassan and I got married, we got married in, in Dearborn uh, on May 16th. And then the next day we went to Vegas for our honeymoon because, uh. because uh, we wanted to, do our civil ceremony at the drive-thru that Britney Spears got married at. It was just a, a silly thing, oh God, right? so funny. So we ended up doing it, but it was it was so weird because it's a drive-thru. You don't think that drive-thrus are busy. I mean, like, so busy that you can't just go through a drive-thru. You have to what make an that? appointment. You have to make appointments. Like, they, you still have to make an appointment for it. And they send you a limo to, and, to pick you up, and they do all this kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. But the only day that they had open for us to go during the time frame that we needed to go was May 20th. What's the significance of May 20th? That's my late husband's birthday. Wow. And I was like, I didn't want to tell Dan, my husband today, this is my late husband's birthday. We can't get married because I didn't want him to think that he's living in the shadow. It's so hard to remarry when you're a widow. It's just you think twice before you say or do anything because you don't want anyone to think that you're dwelling on the past or remembering too much in the past but you don't also don't want to give up that's so beautiful yeah that's like really like full circle full circle so like it was meant to be it was meant to be and we didn't I mean there was no other there was no other option and I wasn't going to say we can't do it let's find somewhere else Um, so we ended up doing it everything happens for a reason yeah so my story is that I ended up marrying a guy, no relation, with the same last name, and our wedding anniversary happens to be on my late husband's birthday, which is oh. bittersweet. Yeah. And also, as a side note to that as well, that's how we found out about you for Muslim Girl. Is Wait, that you're going really slow. Oh, can you hear me? Does okay, it sound better? Yeah. Now? yeah. One thing, one thing as a side note too, that I find really like really cool is that that is also how we found you for Muslim Girl is that because you went to Michigan and because you got that job at the Arab American newspaper, then we had a mutual contact of ours who is from Dearborn, who knew you because of that post, because of your job at the newspaper, recommended you to me. I was like, you have to link up with me soon, like reach out to her. Um, and then we just like, you know, took you in our class and just like never let you go after that. <laughs> yeah. And Lord knows I've wanted to go a million times. Uh, um, yeah, we're cutting that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
aging out. It's not that I don't like appreciate like the platform. I just feel like I'm aging out. Like there, there has to be room for new blood to come in and to foster them and to allow them to grow. Just like, I'm just saying how crazy. I feel like your story is such a testament that even like when calamity befalls you, like there's literally a reason for everything. Like you just like stay through it. Yeah. Everything has a reason. And let me tell you, like, like, there were days where I was just like, there's no way. There's no way that I can make it. I think people thought I was going crazy at one point. Because imagine, like, you know, uh, one funeral, second funeral, then a third funeral. And then by the third funeral, I'm over here like a pro. I know where to go and what to do and how to do it and who to call and all of this kind of stuff. So, uh, I, but I didn't want to be known for that. And one of the things that I noticed that I would walk into a room you know, and people would kind of get quiet and kind of look at me because they didn't know, didn't know how to. Because they were like pitying you. I, I, I feel like it was sincere pity, though. There's a difference between like, uh, let me just give her some like, pity. Oh, versus, Christina, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Versus like their heart really hurt for me. And for a while there, I felt like I had to play this role like don't smile too much. Don't, like the you know. sad girl. Yeah. And, and what I found was that like, nobody wants to be around someone like that. Nobody. Um, and I am not the kind of person that likes to be alone. I love people in my life. Um, so I just started like morbidly making jokes about my life um, to the point where it would either make people uncomfortable or uh, put people at ease. Um, and then after, you know, years, you kind of like figure out what's right and what's wrong. But I find that even with all of the things that I went through in life, it's so much better while we live the short time in the dunya to make people laugh and smile and feel good about themselves versus being pathetically sad for you. Right. I mean, I can attest to the fact that like you literally make everyone around you laugh, even when it's like a tense situation or people are like pissed off or upset or like whatever, like you'll find a way to like make it lighthearted as offensive as your jokes can get. Uh, they can be, they can be. I, I do don't love that quality about you. you. <laughs> Thanks. No, but like also one thing that I just like find so interesting, one thing I find so interesting is that within such a short span of time, you are confronted with several, not one, but several of, like, women's worst nightmare of things yeah. you have to endure. You know, like, single motherhood, you know, losing your husband so soon after, like, being a newlywed, you know, having, especially, yeah. like, just a few short days after having your child. And on top of that, losing your parents so so soon after that as well. You know, I mean, of course, these are fears that any human being would have, but especially being, like, a woman of color dealing with the adversity we already are dealing with, for you to be hit with those, like, titanic challenges, it's, like, where do you get that strength from? Like, how did you, how did you go the route of, like, being, like, the class clown now, rather than being that sad girl or, like, letting it break you? Well, I think I started out and not that there's Not that there's anything wrong, not that there's anything wrong with being the sad girl, by the way. Like, I don't think anyone would ever, no. like, not understand having to deal with that. Like, that's a lot, you know what I mean? But it's just, like, how did you get through that? Yeah, I think there's definitely a process, but you know what? Okay, so I told you how my late husband was killed um, by members of the Bloods, right? Maybe six months, maybe six months after he was killed, I 
I go to my mailbox, check the mailbox, and I, I receive a, a letter in my mailbox. And there's no return address. There's no name on the letter. Um, but it's a beautiful card, and it has flowers on it. And you open it up, and it's the kind that has no words in it. They just write, you know. Um, it's an empty card. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. that letter, um, somebody wrote, um, Dear Maysoon, you don't know me. I've been following your story in the newspaper because by this time it was in the newspaper. The trial was going on and stuff like that. Um, and I wanted oh, to let you, oh. I, I wanted to let you know that I pray for you every single day. I'm a woman of color and I want you to know that the people who took your husband's life in no way depicts or represents our whole community. And you need to know that you have a sister uh, in cool. me and you have brothers um, in the community that are there to support. It, it, I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I can't remember the exact words. I'm and like I can't getting find teary the... eyed. I, I don't want it to be a teary eyed situation, but let me tell you, I put that card away because I wasn't ready for that message. I wasn't ready to receive that message. I was in a dark place and I really hated everyone at that point. I was feeling really, really mm-hmm. sorry for myself. And I think it takes time. You just, you can't like receive that kind of message and just say, okay. Right. So were you Uh, feeling, were you feeling hateful at that time? Yes. 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 I was. And it was, and I I think that it's hard for me to talk about that now because I was never like that before. Like I was really always Mm -hmm. pluralistic and open and everything like that. But, um, yeah, there was something really ugly that happened to me in my heart at that time. And obviously it was pick and choose, um, uh, of who I wanted to feel hateful for. And it, it wasn't a good place to be in. Fast forward, I, it, you know, I'm, I, and I harbored those, those feelings for a long time. And then I moved to Michigan and then 2001 happens. And mm. then, um, September 11th happens. And then Arabs and Muslims are under attack and we're all being, you know, t- targeted and blamed and you know everybody wants answers from all of us and and I remember the letter I remember the letter that I got and that's when I broke down for some reason I had to be in that person's experience and that you know those feelings to understand where she was coming from and that's when it all clicked for me and ironically enough it was September 11th the letter that I received from that woman, uh, you know, years before that, right. Um, that kind of brought me into civil rights and I worked for the department of civil rights in Michigan for 10 plus years. Um, wait, the letter was sent on September 11th. No, no, no. The letter was, the uh, the, the letter was sent years before September 11th ever happened. But I mean, all of these little things, they're like, they're signs from Allah, right? They're, they're just things that happen in your life that kind of like make you understand nothing just happens for no reason. Everything happens for a reason. That letter is the reason why you got into civil rights? It was, it, it was one of the reasons. It was a major reason eventually. Because I Um, knew from my own experience that I had to move past any kind of animosity that I had towards a whole group. The same way that I expected people to move away from animosity that they were feeling towards my whole group because of September 11th. You understand? And Mm -hmm. so, and it wasn't like I hated every single person of a specific group. It was 
specific kinds of people. Like I all of, like all of a sudden like any any like you had that I, bias. I had I had a terrible bias, and I I I had to move past that. I I get it because I kind of lived it in a different way. Like you see both um, sides now. I do I do see both sides, and I think that um, it's unfortunate that I had to have those experiences, but I'm not even, I don't want to say the word glad. What is the word? I'm thankful that that Allah loves me enough to think that I'm strong enough to handle it because Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was strong enough to handle it. And I apparently am. Mm -hmm. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. So does everything happen for a reason? I definitely believe everything happens for a reason. There's Nassim in everything and we have free will, but we also have the free will to sit down and reflect on everything that's happened to us and to see if this is really what we're supposed to be going through. What, what's supposed to really happen from this? Mm-hmm. There, there has to be a greater message from any kind of calamity that should occur in your life. And, and for mm-hmm. me, it's to have these experiences that when I finally tell you, don't do this shit because it's <laughs> smart, right? Like I've been through. It's coming like, from I've a place of things. experience, yeah. It's coming from a place of experience. So when I tell you, don't call the Walla bro, don't call the Walla bro. <laughs> wow, subhanAllah. Honestly, like, it's such a crazy story. Every time you tell it to me, I'm just like in awe all over again. Yeah, thanks. But no thanks. And you know, what's like so cool too is that like for this podcast specifically, one thing that we like to ask every person that we bring on at the end is like what's a moment in your life that made you feel that everything happens for a reason and I feel like your entire life experience has been defined by that to be honest isn't that crazy yeah like can I just get one day of like you know free for all like it doesn't have to have a meaning (laughs) I just want one day no, for sure. But, alhamdulillah, everything happens for a reason. And um, so your 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 nasib is out there waiting for you. I think he's just waiting for you to do everything I tell you to do. <laughs> rather than try to do it on your own. Of course. You know, like, just be a little bit more, like, you know reserved and demure. I'm even more reserved? Are you effing kidding me? I'm already so unapproachable as it is. I said reserved. There's a big difference between reserved and whatever it is that you're putting off right now. (laughs) That's a lot of confidence that they're seeing, which is cool. Girls should definitely have uh, lots of confidence. But, um, you know. But, you know, just Baby steps. Out with with some insecurities and self-loathing so that they know how to handle you, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. I have a lot of insecurities <laughs> and self-loathing. <laughs> um, I'm so curious, like, especially looking at, like, our group chats, because our, our group chats get lit sometimes, like, with sometimes the other editors and, like, with our Slack channel and stuff. And, like, you have an opinion about everything, um, for better or for worse. And I'm just, like, curious, like, looking at our generation, like, the millennial, like, most, like, Millennial Muslim American women, what's like your biggest pet peeve or like thing that just like confuses you about us? You're just like, why do you do this? I think like, the whole dating like thing, the sense. whole dating thing confuses me. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why you guys do it. The whole like, 
like, listen, if I was single now as an older woman, uh, and my kids are all raised and stuff like that, I would probably do like the whole internet thing, swipe left, swipe right, whatever, just to, just to pass the time maybe, but not, I wouldn't bank my whole future on it. Like the younger generation, like put some, put some like trust in your tribe. Like your tribe should be helping you. And if your parents aren't helping you, something's wrong. You need to go talk to them saying, I need your help. So like arranged marriage. Arranged is such a weird word. I don't think it's arranged. It's like. uh, It's not, it's not forced marriage. It's arranged. It's like, and it gets a bad rep because, you know, when, when you think arranged marriage, you think of like vulnerable young women or girls being forced to do things that they don't want to do forced into like marrying someone that they have never even met or like things like that but it's like arranged marriage is still a thing and it's not in a bad way you know a lot of times like yeah that's what it comes down to it's like I can't I don't know who to meet I don't know where to meet them and I need help the help of the tribe to like like set me up you know um but it's like also you know, I, I think that what you're saying, right, like, you're so confused about, like, the dating stuff or whatever, but I think that's a reality of, like, where we're at, especially as, like, a, like the Muslim American community. It's, like, we are so scattered, and so, you know, a lot of times, like, many of us live in cities where, like, there aren't that many Muslims, for example, and we were looking for a Muslim that we want to date or, like, we want to marry and stuff like that, you know, and it's, like, how do you find those people? I think that's why there there have been surfacing like all these different methods. Like there's so many dating apps that are Muslim now, like Minder, like the Muslim Tinder. Yeah. Know? How does that work? Oh my god! I mean, that's an entire episode alone. <laughs> like no, that's seriously. like a whole. Is there like is there like an auntie on there that like uh, that uh, that approves or disapproves of like Every, matches? Yeah, I mean, honestly, no, not matches. You match with whoever you match with. Like, if See, you that's, find them attractive, that, that's where it's gone wrong. Then there needs to be like an official auntie over the whole thing that approves or disapproves. That way, yeah. you're not making these mistakes. Like, at least should we, should we propose you? Should we propose you as like if, the official the, like app right and app money, onto you? Yeah, for the right money, I would totally be down because that way, if it doesn't work out, you don't have to think anything's wrong with you. You can just say, you know what, Auntie was <laughs> off on this, <laughs> and I'm okay. But with I mean, like, it's challenging. It. It's challenging because it's like, yeah, not everyone, not everyone, just like meets somebody at like a conference or convention and stuff. I mean, honestly, okay, there is one convention. That, um, you know, Salma, uh, our, one of our past social media editors, you, you know her, um, uh-huh. Salma and I, we like attended together. And we were really curious. We're like, let's go undercover in the speed dating and just like see how, what it's like. Like, what is Muslim speed dating like? So what was How many students you it know? It was so, honestly, it was like the thing that grossed me out the most is that there were different tracks according to age and the women could only be within their own age bracket, but the men were allowed to go into the speed dating circles of women far younger than them, like any no. age bracket. Yeah. So me. you literally had middle-aged men in the same age bracket as like 20 something year old women. And I found oh, that no. really, really, really disheartening. Yeah. And that's like ingrained within the concept of like the speed dating you know what I mean so I was just like wait like that just like threw me off um but like I remember there was a girl that was sitting at a table like near us like some and I were like we, we, we really wanted to go talk to her because she literally came in almost in like bridal a bridal outfit and she was like sit by yourself and stuff and like so we went to talk to her and we're like you know like what are you doing here like why are you dressed like this and stuff 
And she literally said, like, her parents were trying to get her to meet somebody. So, like, even her parents were subjecting her to, like, speed dating. <laughs> That's so funny, so, like, You know? It, it kind of, it's, like, sad, but also, like, yeah, like, funny. Because it's, like, it, it kind of shows, like, the hopelessness in some cases as well. Of, like, finding a suitable person. Um, but don't you think that there's science behind it, though? Like, whoever did, like, the whole speed dating, even with the age thing. I'm not saying that it's right, because I think that older women should be able to marry younger men. Look at Khadija, you know? But. Sure. But if you're thinking, here you are, Manny, you're thinking about your future spouse. Do you think that you'll end up being with somebody a lot older than you or the same age as you or somebody a lot younger than you? I mean, knowing where you are mentally, what do you think that you would need? I'll be honest. I've always I've only I've always ever been attracted to guys within my age group and not young. I've never really been attracted to younger guys Um, like for a long time, like grossed me out. I mean, like. But then again, I'm like, I'm young, I'm 27. So like, what's younger than me? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's re- like baby age, right? Now it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like bouncing out. So like guys that are younger than me aren't that, like, you know, 25 isn't like that big of a deal or whatever. But um, I've only ever been attracted to guys within like my age group. But recently I've like started really turning my attention to like older men because I realized that the Walla Bros that are my age don't have their ish together and a lot of times get really insecure or you know just like they are, are always like like kind of like comparing themselves and feeling like they have to be the breadwinner and like aren't still like not very comfortable with a girl that like it has is on her game you know so but like with older men I've had I've met I've obviously met older men that are very more, like very well established financially and career-wise that you know, are supportive of my hustle and, like, what I'm trying to do and stuff like that. And just, like, they're more sure of themselves so I don't have to deal with those kinds of issues, you know? Um, but I don't know. I ha- I'm, like, so open, Mason. Like, you don't understand. Like, I don't know what, like, the love of my life is going to look like, you know? So, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be, like, crazy younger than me. I don't want to put that out into the universe because, you know, like, karma always finds its way back to you and I'm going to find freaking, like, end up falling in love with, like, a 19-year-old or something. <laughs> like, yeah, look, I think that there but, are some men out there that could be younger than you that are, like, so old beyond their years in terms of wisdom. There are lots of guys like that. But generally speaking, I just feel that it, like, it's just so much better when they are older than you. And, you know, there's this thing about equality and 50-50 and this and that. I always tell my husband, like, when he was like, I thought you were a feminist. You want 50-50. Like, take responsibility. And I'm like, no, bro, no. 60-40 <laughs> is way cool with me because when shit goes down and it doesn't work out right, I don't want the responsibility. That's on you. So I kind of <laughs> like it when the guys are older, right? Like, I know that it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, and it probably is, like, taking back I feminism. I mean, that's like, because but... it's like, no, I mean, like, there are some different different strokes for different folks, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, I would say that that's kind of, like, a more old-school mentality, but I might be, like, biased, okay? But, like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, like, it, obviously, like, some women want to feel like they're being taken care of, and, like, they that they're good, you know, that they don't have to be, like, the mom in the situation and stuff like but that. But don't, you, don't you feel that you would want to be taken care of? Of course I would. But at the same time, it's like, I also want to be on my Khadija game. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want to be open as well. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but even Khadija, I don't know, like, I don't know in what form. I don't know in what form. Okay, sure. Like, out of respect and stuff like that. Not yeah. out of, like, you know. But, like, I don't know what in what form my Muhammad is going to show up. You know? So I want to be open to that. Like, I like that's why, for me, it's not important. Like, 
if he is well established or if he's rich or like whatever like you know what I mean it's like no like most important is like the character the vibe the chemistry I mean that's why you get so annoyed with how hung up I was with Walla Bro number one because for me because everyone was always telling me like I don't see you with a guy like that. Like, what the hell? Like, you're so much more ahead of him. Like, why are you caring so much? Blah, blah, blah. But it's not about that. Like, for me, it was, like, the chemistry. It was, like, the connection and stuff, you know? Like, that's all I care about. Um, but, yeah. I mean, my dad always told me, too, that when it comes to marriage, think with your head, not with your heart, which is really interesting. It's, it, it sounds counterintuitive to what you normally hear about marriage, you know? But, no, like, that's I always, always say that, too. Stance. I always say that, too. And I always tell my daughter, uh, marry for money, not for love. Don't be a hamada like your mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was Ahmada twice I married for love. Didn't get married. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, priorities. Well, okay, so yeah, I mean this this is our special edition Ramadan episode of the Say Wallah podcast. Say Wallah. Um, say Wallah. I mean, obviously, no one better to have this conversation with, like, as we are fast approaching the end of Ramadan than with Mama May soon. Thank you. So thank you too. so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, and I, I just, it's the last, the final days of Ramadan. And I just want to make a dot really quick for all of our listeners and for us and, and Muslim girl and our clique. That inshallah Allah blesses us with barakah every day of our lives. Ya Rabbi, and let him open the door for us to be able to do good for others. And let others be able to do good for us if we're in need. Ya Rabbi, and to bless us in the akhirah as well. Just stay on your stay on your game, ladies and gentlemen, and know that you have a huge support of people that are making prayers for you every day to make it, no matter what your story is, no matter what your journey Aww. is. Amen, from Amen. Amen. And it also helps to try to stay away from the Walla Bros. Yes, sure, <laughs> and the Walla and the Walla uh, gals too, because they're as, as much as they're <laughs> bros, there are the Walla girls out there. No, well, the sisters. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I gotta say. I mean, Thanks honestly, I, I get this earful. I get this earful from you, like on the daily. So it's more so like you should be thanking me for putting up with you for like an additional hour for this episode. But like, whatever, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take, this I'll is take... my jihad. When people ask what my jihad is, <laughs> I tell them uh, to have to talk to Amani about like <laughs> personal stuff. That's my jihad. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny because like you, yeah, your job is multi-pronged. <laughs> it's so multi-pronged. I'm like a fork. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for the third episode of the Say Wallah podcast where Muslim women talk back. We can't wait for you to join us again for the next one. Wallah, that is a promise. Shalom. Salam. Bye. Bye. Thank you.